Regret, remorse, pages and pages of life wasted and gone. But your story isn't finished yet. There's still time for edits and cuts. But before you start doing the right things, sometimes you need to stop doing the wrong things. member of our serve team here at City Hills. I have the privilege and the honor of leading our outreach uh, ministries and our City Hills events. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out to Pastor Brandon and Kara, who uh, just shepherd us so well, and they trust in us and believe in us. That song was so appropriate, Don't Stop Believing, because they believe in us, and they refuse to let us just sit and comfort and be still and they push us on and I love you guys and he pushed me they pushed me on to this stage <laughs> hallelujah anyhow um just want to give a quick shout out to my my gentle and quiet and like Jesus husband Des Davis who labors and is always here and is so faithful and so steady and if you don't know who he is, he's sitting like back in that corner. <laughs> and he's a quiet servant. I often say that I'm the firework, but he's like the wick. And you can't have one without the other. And so what I'm going to get into today, um, kind of, it, it relates to him and our relationship. And it wasn't what I initially thought I would talk about when uh, Pastor Brendan first mentioned this uh, to me, uh, but then you know how God comes in and he gets you all up out of yourself. And that story you don't want to tell, he says you're going to tell because it's not your story. It's my story. It's his story. And so that's the story I'm going to talk to you about today. And so my story is that I decided to go forward. And we're going to look at Exodus 14. 10 through 16, verses 10 through 16, really, guys, spoiler alert, I'm really kind of all over the first half of the book of Exodus, but I couldn't stand up here and read 15 chapters to you, so we're going to go with these six verses. It says, as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and, beh and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they became very frightened, so the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, oh, I love this. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, 
Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. Uh, let's pray. God, I just pray that today, Lord, that my words would not be too many, God, but that they would be meaningful, that they would be your words put in my mouth for your people to tell your story so that chains will be broken today because you are the God of the impossible, and you are unstoppable, God. The worship team has preached this sermon already, God, and I just thank you for how your spirit puts us on one accord without us even knowing it, God. So have your way today, God. I pray that no flesh would glory, that no one would see me, but that you would be seen high and lifted up, and as you are lifted up, you will draw all God, so I pray we are drawn to your cross today, that we are drawn to your presence, that we are drawn and called and would walk in obedience to lay down chains and take up your yoke, God. We just thank you and love you, God. Um, just be pleased with this offering today. In Jesus' name, I pray. And so we have the Israelites here, and they're in the middle of the wilderness. What's happened? Just bring you up. I know like now we're used to going on like Netflix and we'll watch a whole season of something at one time. And so I've just dropped you in the middle of this story. So I'm going to give you the whole season right up until this point. And so what we have um, for about 400 years, at least 400 years, the Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt. And the Bible says that their uh, slavery, that it was bitter and it was vigorous. They were beaten. Uh, they were worked hard all day long. Uh, their male children were being slaughtered. I mean, this was bad, bad business. Okay, this wasn't some pity pat kind of romanticized slavery thing. This was bad. And so they would cry out, and they cry out for years and years to the Lord to free them. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Exodus 2, 23 through 25, it says, Now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel sighed because of their bondage. And they cried out, and their cry for help because of their bondage, rose up to God. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those were their patriarchs. And God saw the sons of Israel, and he took notice. It means he was concerned about them, that he remembered them, that he didn't miss a thing. He understood and knew all. But now the fullness of time had come, and everything that God was orchestrating and putting in place, now was the time for Israel to be set free. And so God sends Moses to set them free. And Moses tells Pharaoh, you need to set my people free. These are God's people. And Pharaoh is like, whatever. I don't know you. I don't know your God. And just for that, I'm going to make it harder <laughs> for the Israelites. And that's what he did. And so Israel, they're like, who are you? And why are you making our lives harder. And so God tells Moses to tell the Israelites that I sent you and that I am going to be their God, that I'm going to set them free, that I'm going to break uh, these chains, this bondage. I'm going to take them to a new place, the place that I promised Abraham, Isaac, 
in Jacob. And so he did, but because of their bondage, they weren't really receiving it. And so it took 10 plagues uh, for Pharaoh to finally set the Israelites free. And uh, when you go back and read it, it's like the first plague. You know, he turned blood into water. God turned the blood turn water, sorry, into blood. So you imagine these Tennessee temperatures and all of the water in the city is blood. And we can't live without water. But Pharaoh was like hardcore. I would have been like, okay, I don't know who you are. I don't know who your God is. But if he can do this, y'all go on. But Pharaoh was hardcore. And so it took 10 more plagues of, of lice all over the land of frogs, all over the land of boils and hail and, and livestock dying and the firstborn of Egypt dying before Pharaoh finally gave in and was like, go. And so he sent them on. And where we pick up in the text, the Israelites are now wandering around in the wilderness. And so you may read that or hear that and think, that's nice history, but what does it have to do with me, right? But we all can have an Egypt in our life. See, Egypt was this place of bondage, of bitterness, the place of limits, the place of dream killing, the place that holds you back from what God has for you. And so we may think, oh, yeah, she's talking about, like, all that bad stuff, you know, like uh, drugs or alcohol or immorality, but Egypt can even be those things that seem good to us, those things that, that we think are great and honorable, and it's not necessarily a sin, but if it's not what God has for you and you're clinging to it, you're making that an idol, then that is a place of Egypt, and so that's why this word applies to us. Like, what do we do? How do we go forward into all God's called us to be? How do we go forward to that promised land when we're looking at a Red Sea? And it seems impossible. And we're in the middle of a wilderness and everything's crazy. And I don't know about the wilderness, God, but I know about bondage. Because the Israelites, all they had known was bondage. They had lived their whole lives. This generation, 400 years, 430 years, some say, they knew bondage. They knew all about it. They learned to live in it and survive in it. And now God was calling them out. So what do we do? How do we go forward? And the first thing we want to do is to see the promise, not the past. And so the Israelites, verse 12, it says, is, is this not the word that we spoke to you, Moses, in Egypt? saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve in Egypt than to die in the wilderness. And so here they are. Moses had told them the promise. Moses told them, God is bringing you out. He's going to set you free. He's going to bless you. He's going to put you in a new land, the land promised to your patriarchs who are long gone. You get to possess that land. He told them the promise of God, but they didn't see the promise. And when God led them out of Egypt, he went before them. 
So during the day, he went before them as a pillar of a cloud, and during the night as a pillar of flame. So God is guiding you out. He is right there before you. Yeah, the enemy is behind you, pursuing you. Egypt is coming back because it's not going to give up. But look at my power. Look at all I've done. Ten plagues? Ten plagues. God had sent to Egypt to free his people. And even during that, he protected his people from those plagues. And now he's led them out. He's given them a leader on the ground in Moses to lead them out. And he's gone before them. But they're looking back at the past and saying, give me Egypt. Gosh, give me Egypt. It would have been better for me to stay in Egypt. I could have served there. You have me out here in this wilderness? I don't know about this, but I know about Egypt. I know about chains. And it made me think about a time in my life when I just lived in chains. Three and a half years dating this guy whole time, three and a half years, he's abusing me. He's beating me up every chance he could get. And I knew about Egypt. I knew how to live in Egypt. I knew how to survive in Egypt. So I could survive in Egypt. You can survive in your Egypt, but we'll never, ever know abundant life in Egypt. We'll never possess the promises of God in Egypt. And so when God starts troubling your Egypt and he starts sending plagues on your Egypt, and he did that to that guy, I saw it. He was troubling him, sending plague after plague. And he was, every Sunday I'd sit in church and I would hear the word of God and his spirit would speak to me. And I knew the promise. I knew this was not the life he had for me. But I know about bondage, God, and I don't know where you're taking me. I know you say you have good things for me, right? But I don't know how I'm going to get there. And so your situation may not be that dramatic. You know, it may not be abuse. But maybe you can relate because you're holding on to some other forms of Egypt and on the screen, they're going to show you some of those forms like religion or pride or comfort. That's not bad, right? Like, we like to be comfortable, but we don't grow in our comfort zones, right? We grow as God stretches us out of those comfort zones. Or insecurity, control, vengeance. Because they did me wrong, God. And I know your word says vengeance is yours, but I'm going to get them. That's Egypt. Immorality, any sin issue that just has a chain on us, that's Egypt. Addiction, abuse, envy, victimization. We don't think of that as a form of bondage. But if we stay in victim mentalities, then we're not accountable for anything. And we don't have to walk in power because I'm a victim, God. That's Egypt. And so here's the thing about 
Egypt, about breaking free from Egypt. See, God had plagued Egypt. He pulled his people out of Egypt, but now he had to pull Egypt out of his people because they're still looking back there at the chain, right? And God is saying, don't look there, look here, because that's where I am, and I'm leading you out. I've given you the promise, so let that go. I'm going to break those chains. You're looking at the old thing, but I'm doing a new thing. Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make, oh, this is good. I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What does that mean? I know I've called you to this wilderness because if you go back, Moses would say, let my people go so that they may serve me in the wilderness. That was the word of God. So God's like, I've called you to this wilderness. I know you don't know about this wilderness, but I'm making a roadway in the wilderness. That's direction. You don't have to have a detailed plan. We don't have to know. Step here, step here, step here, step here, boom, promised land. That's not how God works. God is like, just follow me because I'm making the roadway. He's making rivers in the desert. Who knows where the river is? There is life, okay? So God is saying, I am giving you life in this desert, in this barren and dry place. And that's what he did for me. It was like, if you would just stop looking back to Egypt every time I would get away and God would start calling me out and it got a little hard and I didn't quite know what to do. Instead of looking at him, I want to look back and I would go back to Egypt. Three and a half years, guys. I'm not talking about some place stuff. I'm talking about punched in the face. I'm talking about hands around my neck going back to Egypt, and God was like, look to my promise. See, it wasn't just the location that had to change for me. It was my heart. It's your heart that has to change. So, yeah, I could get away for a week. I'd change locations, and that's good. That's good. We need to change the location, but the work doesn't stop there. The work is in God changing our hearts, in God taking Egypt out of us. How do we do that? We cling to him. We cling to his promises. We look to the new thing. We can be aware of the new thing he's doing if we keep our eyes here and not there. Next thing we want to do is to operate in faith, not fear. And if I could subtitle this, I would say to operate in faith, to obtain freedom. In verse 13, it says, But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will see them never again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Oh, it's good when God tells us to be silent. Right? Because the confessions of their mouth, they weren't speaking life over this situation. So God's like, just be quiet. 
just be quiet <laughs> and watch me work, right? And so God was calling them to a place of freedom. And the world tells us that freedom is just do whatever you want to do. You're free, girl. Go work. Just do it. Do whatever you want. But that's not freedom. Freedom is doing what God has called you to do, right? Because the creator gets to define the creation, right? So if I paint this picture, that picture is what I say it is. <laughs> and it doesn't matter who says that picture is a tree or an apple or a bird. If I say that's the sea, it's the sea because I created it. And God is our creator. He put something in us. He put things in us that we would desire him. And so Egypt is basically the counterfeit to meet the needs that God has put in us. And God is calling us away from that to set us free, to be free in who he called us to be because God doesn't just save us from something. He saves us for something. He saves us to something. If you go back and you read this Exodus account over and over, God says, or Moses says, because God told him, let my people go that they may serve me. He ne it's never, just let them go. Do, just do whatever. Just let them go. No, he says, let them go that they may serve me. So he's saving us to himself. Why? That's not selfish. It's because he created us and he formed us. And he knit us together in our mother's wombs. And he knows all about us. And he knows what we need and what makes us tick. And he knows what needs to be cleaned up and what needs to be healed. And he knows that if we are slaves to him, that we'll be free. That's the freedom we're called to know to love and to worship and to know our God. The same word he uses for serve is the same exact word, avad, that Abraham received back in Genesis 15 when God told him, your people are going to be servants. They're going to serve in a strange land. It was a word that meant enslaved, but it also meant worship. And it also meant that, they're, uh, that they would be vassals. And so God is saying, no, I don't want you to serve Egypt. I want you to serve me because my truth, oh, how many times we hear that, the truth will set you free? It's like, can we know the whole word, <laughs> right? It is the truth of God, the truth of knowing Jesus, of believing Jesus that will set us free. When that people say that quote, they've cut off all the rest of it that comes before it, Jesus says, if you believe me and you hold to my teachings, then you will know me and that truth will set you free. So we are freed to Jesus. We are freed to be who he's called us to be, not whatever we've created in our minds. God was calling them to a place of faith, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. So God was saying, just go in faith. 
Just do it in faith. You don't have to know the plan. You don't have to see it. Just have assurance that what I say is real and that when I said I'm bringing you out, I meant it. I'm bringing you out. And so the whole Bible is about faith in Jesus. Everything we do in this Christian life that we accomplish that's good for God, it happens by faith. And we see by faith that Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. And that by faith, Moses grew up and refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This is so good. Choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater than the riches and the treasures of Egypt. Can we have that kind of faith? By faith, David defeated Goliath. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, they did make it through the Red Sea. By faith, the apostles suffered For the advancement of the gospel, we heard Pastor Todd say, by faith, he learned to not just do for God, but to just be for God, to be still and to sit at his feet. We heard Kristen say, by faith, she overcame alcoholism. By faith, we sit here today because someone named Brandon, someone named Kara left everything they knew to come to a foreign land named Knoxville, guys. I mean, come on, we can be different, okay? So they left everything they had to come here and create a place called City Hills. And by faith, I came out from abuse. And when God called and said, you're done with that, I was done with that. And by faith, you can be free today. You can overcome today. You can take the limits off today. And you might think... Yeah, but everyone you named is like a ministry leader or some Bible great, right? But we're just people, (laughs) just like you. These were just people. And so we don't have to have, if we don't have faith the size of a mountain, then we can give God faith the size of a mustard seed. If that's all we have, you don't have have to have faith to finish. You just have to have faith to start. You just have to have faith to put one foot in front of the other, and God will give you some more faith to put another foot forward. And if you just put your faith in him, even if it's small, God is gracious to meet us in our small places of faith. If that's all we have, then give it to him, and he can meet you there. So don't look to the finish. Don't look and think, ah, but God, if I come out of this Egypt, I'm going to have to do this and this and this, and I'm going to have to give up that and all that. Don't even look at that. Just faith to start today. In Mark 9, a man took his son Uh, to Jesus. He was demon-possessed and uh, had been sick all of his life. And Jesus said to him, if you believe that I can heal him, if you believe, all things are possible. You know what that man said to Jesus in that very honest, real moment? He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Small faith. But he was honest with Jesus, and Jesus healed his son. So if you come out, you look at the people of Israel. 
so good. The Bible um, says there were 600,000 men, so estimates think that there could have been up to 2 million of them. Up to 2 million? Do you think every one of them was walking forward with bold faith? I think not. Look at the confession of their heart when they spoke. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and their mouths were saying, we should have just stayed in Egypt. There were people there, I bet, some with big faith, some who went boldly, some who may have gone with their mom dragging them across. I don't know. But here's the thing. They all made it through. They all crossed over. Big faith, small faith, didn't matter. They all made it through. And why did they make it through? Because they finally put feet to their faith. And so James 2, 17 through uh, 22 says in the same way faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action is dead but someone will say you have faith I have deeds show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds you believe that there is one God good even demons believe that so it's not just belief it's action too Verse 21, was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered action, his son Isaac, on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. So, Israel, the Lord is fighting for you. He is fighting for you. When the Egyptians came, the Lord, that pillar, that flame, that cloud, even moved behind them to be between them and their enemy. So the Lord, he will do the work, but we have to be willing to walk. We got to be willing to walk. Faith doesn't just sit. Faith moves. Faith breathes. Faith lives. Faith works. Faith trusts God. And when God called me out, finally, I saw it. Finally, I didn't just, I, I stopped looking at the trouble around me and I just started looking to the truth of God. And the truth that God told me, because He called me out, I finally got out of that abuse and God said, You're done. And He told me right then, You're done with all this pity pat dating stuff. Stop. That's what he told me. And I went on because I just needed a man to make me feel whole. And I put myself, mm, won't say that. I just went on and ended up in a situation with a guy that I thought was a friend who sexually assaulted me. And so I found myself on my face before God. And God said, I didn't make you for this. I made you for more. I made you for freedom. I made you for power. And these chains that the enemy has tried to put on you from abuse, they're coming off today. You will not walk with a vengeful heart. You will not walk in bitterness. You will not walk hating men. You are going to trust me. And God called me to a fast. No more dating. You're done. 
That's what he said. You're done. You know what? I felt like God told me the next person you date is going to be your husband. And I thought, I don't know how that works. Sounding kind of crazy. But I just trusted him because I knew he was making a roadway through the wilderness. And I sat with God, not dating anyone, not flirting with anyone. And I just sat for years with God. And he healed me. And he set me free. And he put me on the path that brought me here today. And I hesitate to say this. Because I don't want anyone to try to duplicate it. This was the work of God in my life. Years later, I'm sitting at church, and a guy I don't even know while I'm in the choir walks forward, and he brings the offering so we can sing over it, right? And God told me, that's him. That's your husband. (laughs) And I thought, whoa, crazy pants. (laughs) feeling really alone after all these years. (laughs) So I just tucked that away and kept it secret and went on about my business. And not long after that, that guy asked me out. And I know God had to tell me because he had called me to this fast, right? And three months later, we're engaged. Six months later, we're married. And that was 16 years ago, and he's sitting in that corner. And he has loved me the entire time with the love of God. So gentle. Ah, I think about the word of the Lord when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden light. And that he is gentle and that you can find rest. And he drove that home through my husband, and so what I'm saying to you today, and I'm not saying that single ladies like that, it's all going to work out like that for you, right? Because my life was full without a man, right? Because I had God, and I saw him high and lifted up, and he had set me free, and I was walking in that freedom every day. But what I'm saying is just trust God. And when he says, go forward, go forward, knowing that his plans are good. You don't have to know the plan. You don't have to know what tomorrow's going to bring. All you have to know is that God is with you. And you cry out to him, you learn him, you know his ways, and he'll handle everything else. He'll handle it. So be free today. There is nothing that Egypt can give us but death. But the promised land he's taking us through, if we go through that Red Sea, there's life. There's a new beginning on the other side of the Red Sea was the mountain of God, and that's where he's calling us to. Some of you need to go through the Red Sea of salvation today. Maybe that's your so-called barrier to your new beginning. That's what's standing in the way of you getting to who God is calling you to be. Just trust. Don't think about the details. That's his business. 
just look to the sun. <laughs> look to that pillar of fire leading you out. Jesus, he came to this earth, lived the perfect life, showed us the way. Jesus was God in the beginning, was, in, was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus, lived the perfect life, died on the cross for our sin because he was all righteousness, but took our sin to the cross, buried in a tomb, resurrected to new life. God is calling us to resurrection today, and who knows, there can be no resurrection without death. Jesus died for us. Jesus is calling our Egypt to die today so that we can walk in resurrection. We're going to pray together, and if you need to know the Lord, if you need to know Jesus as Savior, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Oh, God. Jesus, I know that you are God. I know that you died on the cross for my sin, God. I know that I'm unworthy, God, but that, Jesus, you are worthy. You took my sin to the cross, God. You buried my shame. God, I just ask you to be Lord of my life right now. Change me. I offer you this small faith, God. Be my Savior, God. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Make me new, God. I thank you, Jesus, for your cross, Lord. And I pray right now for any and every person under the sound of my voice, God. I pray that they would be free today, God, that they would walk away, that they would run for their lives from Egypt, God. Set them aflame, Lord. Remind them like you did Moses to tell the Israelites, that's us, to go forward. And as they obeyed, God, you worked, you parted the sea, you parted the waters, and they walked through on dry land, God. We thank you. We love you today, God. We lay down chains in Jesus' name. Amen.